Brahmajnatimirandasya, Yananjana Shalakaya, Chakshonitanyena, Tasmai Shri Guruvena Maha. Hello and welcome to our Seeking the Essence podcast. I'm your host, Vishaka Dasi. Hope you're all doing well. I'm visiting community in Ireland at the moment, which has been very wonderful. Happened to come across this old recording from the archives, from a gathering that we had in Italy, summer gathering a few years ago. And I thought it, it may offer a helpful and comprehensive introduction to the message of Krishna consciousness. So I hope you get something out of here. Adibo. Um, well, having heard what you said now, what comes to me, what I'm inspired to speak on, is one expression of a German philosopher called Hegel. Mm-hmm. Our grandfather, Guru Shula Bhakti Rakshak, Sridhardev Goswami Marsh, he liked him very much. And our Gurudev commented that his philosophy is the closest that we find in this world to what we are following, the line of Vaishnavism. You know, we also say, you know, Christianity, Srila Sridhar says, Christianity is like undefined Vaishnavism. Mm-hmm. All of the main ideas are there, but very, it's very hazy, very vague. You know, the idea of a personal God, of a life of service, giving, dedication, sacrifice, these paramount principles are there, but it is very hazy. You know, what is the nature of God and what exactly will our relationship be and so on and so forth. But anyway, we heard that mention about Christianity, also about the philosophy of Hegel, this German philosopher. He lived a couple centuries ago. I don't remember okay. when exactly. Yeah. But um, he, one of his, a few of his expressions, Srila Sridhamarsh liked, and one of them was, he said that if an absolute entity does exist, then he must have two characteristics. One, that he must be by himself. No. Means that there is nobody else like him. He's in his own category. He is the supreme original Lord, or as we as is expressed in one of our Sanskrit composition, sarva karana karanam. He is the cause of all causes. He is the original cause, the original source. This is, you're nodding like this is something familiar to you. <laughs> did, maybe did Chagi Maharaj talk about this? Yeah, but it's uh, also familiar to yoga philosophy. Oh, okay. 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 So this is, this is one characteristic. He must be in his own category. He is his own source and he is the source of everyone and everything. Otherwise, if it were not so, he could not be the supreme entity. That is one. And then the second, he is for himself, means he exists for his own purpose, for his own satisfaction. And everything in this world exists also for his satisfaction. He is the creator of this world. He is the source of this world. And this world exists for his satisfaction. And that also includes ourselves. We also exist for him, for his purpose. 
And so we understand that to be the fundamental and you know, original current that is flowing in this world. It is the, the original current is actually flowing towards him. No. The fundamental reality is flowing in accordance with his will. This whole world came from him and it exists for his satisfaction, actually. So in the same way that we are, we are actually creators of our own lives, you know, we all come into this world with some particular set of desires, prejudices, you know, likes, dislikes, inclinations. And, and according to that, we live our life and we try to seek out the things that fit in to what is pleasing or not pleasing to us. But as we are doing so, he also has his own life, you know, and his own plan, you know. And his life is in connection with the eternal plane, with the plane of eternity, divinity. Whereas our you know, finite existences, it is based on some very temporary set of conceptions that are acquired and actually unnatural to our real selves. And so this is the call of the Veda. You know, leave behind your concocted conceptions of who you are and what you think you are. Come to join this universal and fundamental flow, the Lord's flow, which is in connection with that plane of eternity. This is the call of the, of the Vedas. Awake, arise, come to seek out your real fortune. So that is, that is the hard part, actually. It is easy to accept, yes, it is, God must exist and he must be supreme and there must be nobody else like him. Yes, I can accept that. But to accept that I also exist for him, my whole life is meant to be for him, that is difficult. You know? And that is what a life of surrender is about, you know, trying to become, trying to come under the influence of that higher wave or to try to dance in that wave, <laughs> to learn how to dance in that higher wave, you know, and leave behind our artificial and concocted life in this world, to act in accordance with the interest of our soul, you know, that eternal aspect of ourself. To act in his interest is synonymous with our own best interest. That is the difficult, you know, that is like a difficult pill for us to swallow at present. What is in God's best interest is also in my best interest. They are synonymous. They are one and the same. It is that, that, that life, that beautiful life of love and service, dedication, we are trying to become, you know, comfortable with that, you know. Sorry, do you want to say something? Is there something? a difference between our best interest and our understanding of our best interest? Very good question. <laughs> but I think you know the answer. <laughs> You're asking for our benefit. <laughs> yes, that is the life of surrender, to become acquainted you know, with what is in our best interest by 
the prescription given in the scriptures, the revealed truth, the revelation that has come, that has descended, you know, that, that is indicated to us through the advice of the saintly persons. You know, we are trying to become acquainted with what is in our own best interest, certainly. I lost my flow now. Let me think. Where was I? Oh, yes. So, so what we are following, you know, sometimes it is called... Bhagavat, Dharma, you know, the like God's own religion, God's own version, you could say, <laughs> God's own version of religion. Many different versions of religion in this world, this is God's own version. <laughs> this is how he says it directly. You know? There's one verse um, in the Bhagavatam, uh, one of our scriptures that are Gurudev liked, which gives a definition of. Bhagavat Dharma. Bhagavat is indicating the personal aspect of God, Bhagavan. So Bhagavat Dharma, that like Dharma, that path, religion pertaining to Bhagavan. Um, but it, it, this, there's one verse that defines that, and it's, it says simply, to do what God says. You know, Jevai Bhagavat Prokta Upaya Hatma Labde. Anjapum sam avidu sam viri bhagavatan dharma like that 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 to know bhagavat dharma to be those means which have been prescribed by the Lord Himself um, by which one even the like even the most ignorant persons can reach Him but you know literally bhagavat prokta what has been spoken by God what He has said directly is His desire you know. That is the Bhagavad Dharma. Our Gurudev, he, he joked once saying that like if, if Krishna says that he wants a samosa, you know samosa now? Okay, we have a couple out here. We can share some with you later. <laughs> yes, very good. <laughs> so our Gurudev joked saying, if Krishna says he wants a samosa, then we will give him a samosa. That's our religion. <laughs> to do what God wants, you know, to give him what he wants. So Bhagavad Dharma, sometimes we say, or sometimes we say Godi of Vaishnavism, or we'll say Krishna consciousness, the different expressions are there. But also one way it is expressed once, and one way it is expressed is the Jaiva Dharma. Jaiva is coming from Jiva. Jiva, maybe you're familiar with, a living entity. Mm -hmm. So indicating, you know, what is the natural religion of every living entity? What is the religion of the soul, you can say? What is the natural expression of the soul in its original state, free from any conditioning of the mundane world? That is what we are, are following. It is not 
something to be acquired, actually, in that sense, but rather it is more about an awakenment mm -hmm. you know, of what is our own inner wealth. You know, it's mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Nitya Siddha Krishna Pain, Sadya Kabunoi, Shavanadi, Shuddhichitti, Koroye, Yudoi. That this Krishna Prema, this divine love for Krishna, it is not something to be acquired from somewhere else. You know, but it is living within the hearts of all living entities. It is there by nature. It is inherent. It is intrinsic to the soul. But it is in a, like a bud state, you can say. You know? and, by, and through the process of shavan, kirtan, hearing and chanting, that may be awakened. So that is what is a, it is about. You know? and, and that awakenment, it cannot, we cannot do it on our own. But in the you know, company of others whose hearts are awakened, you know, it is like fanning a flame, you know, mm -hmm. and allowing it, helping it, encouraging it to burn more brightly, like that. And this word dharma, you know, sometimes it's translated in different ways, right? You, you must know that. But one way it is given is what is the nature, what is the intrinsic nature of, every, of any living entity? And so Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he expressed, you know, we can say, you know, that everything that we find in this world has some inherent tendency. So water has a tendency to flow, you know, fire has a tendency to burn. That is natural. And so in the same way, we understand that the tendency of the living soul is to serve to give, to dedicate oneself. That is the inherent tendency of every living entity. The, the conception of being a consumer, an enjoyer, an exploiter, that is, Srila Sridhar compares it to a type of like intoxication, actually. It is an artificial thing, that spirit of, of enjoyment. It is a type of aggression, actually. We consider ourselves as, you know, master of all that we survey, as the American expression goes, you know. We, we consider that this world exists for our satisfaction. You know, we are the subject. This world is, is full of so many objects for our enjoyment. This is an artificial, you know, state of consciousness, actually. But the natural mood, the natural tendency of every living entity is to serve and to give, you know. And we, we see that, you know, that we cannot avoid that, actually. We find glimpses of that everywhere, even in, you know, the most powerful persons who may command so many people. We can find them, you know, serving their cat or serving their dog or serving their children, you know, or, or you know, teenagers, they'll have like a, a poster of a movie star on their wall. I mean, maybe they're not offering incense, but practically they are. <laughs> right. <laughs> they're expressing worship in a different way. You know? When I, I was, uh, I think I was in February or March, I was flying to India. And, you know, on these long distance flights, they have like movies and documentaries and, and a couple of seats ahead of me there was someone who was playing a documentary of the, about the Beatles. And I, it was like right like in front of me here, and I was like watching part of it. 
And I could not, I just was so astounded to see the intense like reactions that people had to the Beatles, you know, like thousands of screaming teenage girls, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever seen that, you know, maybe yeah. young at like concerts yes. or something, Thou hundreds and thousands of screaming teenage girls jumping up and down and screaming, and they have like signs up like, you know, John, I love you, and you know, like, I mean, it's like just crazy, you know. And then maybe some of those people will say, I don't believe in God. <laughs> like, you've made the Beatles your God. <laughs> How can you say there's no God? You know, you've made this is idol worship, actually. <laughs> exactly, they call it my idol. Right, God. right. <laughs> they say you that. Yeah. Call it, yeah. <laughs> because you can't avoid that tendency to want to give yourself, you know, to want to offer yourself. No, to worship somebody who you consider to be superior to you in some way or another. Our Gurudev said, this is the intrinsic nature of every living entity, to be attracted by some higher power and want to serve that. You know? So he also, our Gurudev, Srila Bhakti Sundar Govinda Dev Goswami Maharaj, he also pointed out how like in, the, like in Aboriginal communities, who do, what do they worship? They worship the sun, the moon, the trees, the ocean, the mountains, you know. They're, they're considering this is some superior power, some superior force, and they're attracted to give themselves to that, you know. They, you just cannot avoid that. It is so natural to us. But in this world we see it is, it is directed, you know, to a very finite sphere, you know. It is, it is, you know, in what, what is in our immediate environment, we are directing that tendency to that, you know, to family members, to friends, to, you know, movie stars, or whatever it may be. You know, we are directing, directing that tendency to a very limited <coughs> sphere. But we, we cannot get the, that deep reciprocation of the heart that we need, you know. Actually, the, as we understand, the heart wants to go to Krishna, actually. He is the real source of all of these things. He is the source of that, all that beauty, that attraction, that charm, that love, you know, whatever, all of these great you know, qualities and characteristics that we find in the environment, we understand he is the source of that. And similarly, you know, correspondingly, that tendency to give, to worship, it will find its real, you know, desired end there in connection with him. Like one of our Vaishnava charges, Srila Madhva Acharya, he, he said that actually every word wants to glorify Krishna. Every word wants to go to Krishna. But we, it is, it, but what we do is we tie down these words and we limit them to some like local and finite conception. And he compared it to a horse. He said, if, if you let a horse go, it will run where it wants. But if you put some like reins on the horse, then it, it's like tied down. It cannot go freely where it wants to go. So in the same way, all of these tendencies of the heart, we're tying them down. We are like limiting them, you know. We are 
restricting that, you know, that's that real flow of the heart. The heart wants to go to Krishna. It's only real satisfaction will be found there. But we are putting so many checks and reins on that natural flow of the heart. So this is the this is like the shift. It's the dramatic shift of consciousness that in this world we are encouraged like to see how this this world exists for us. You know, this world exists for us. And you know, I'm trying to like, you know, like we're actually like imposing our own ideas upon the environment. But in the life of surrender it entails taking just the opposite stance that, you know, I actually, understanding, I actually already have some natural place in the environment. And I'm trying, rather than creating something, I want to try to discover what that is. You know, what is that, what is that, what is my real place in this world? How can I fit in this natural flow? You know, what is the, what contribution do I have to make to this natural flow of the environment? Not that the environment exists for me. It is like if you go into nature. As you said, you have so much affinity with nature. Actually, human beings are terrible. <laughs> they, because our problem is that we have this wonderful consciousness that's so highly developed, but we misuse it. We use it against ourselves. That is the problem. The animals, the trees, they're living innocently, actually. They don't have so much consciousness. But we have that consciousness. And the point of that consciousness is to be used for some higher cause. But we, we use it for a very lower purpose. And then we're actually worse than the animals and the trees and the plant life. And it's a very sad thing. It's you know? very sad, yes. Because um, we should be aware that we are guests, not, uh, not uh, we, don't, we do not own anything here. It is like if you go out and if you go into a jungle, you'll see there's some natural ecosystem, right? Every 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 element, every part has some particular like contribution, some parts to play. You know, we see like with the trees, you know, the trees, they give out oxygen, they take in carbon dioxide, right? There's some natural relationship here. So Krishna consciousness is about like, like people talk about holistic living, like living in harmony. This is the ultimate harmony. You know, to connect with that original source and that original flow and understand what is my natural part to play in that flow, in that fundamental flow. How can I participate in that most beautiful and original harmonious flow? So it, this is the ultimate self-discovery. You know, people talk about self-discovery People talk about adventure. You know. So here we are told, try to find yourself in a, in, you can find yourself, but it will only be possible in the plane of dedication. If you can begin to consider and understand yourself as a giving agent, 
We, we tend to think that if we give, we will lose, actually. If we give something away, we will lose it. But spiritual transaction, it is just the opposite. We will gain by giving. We will find our real nature is to give, to contribute, to serve, to dedicate, to sacrifice. We will discover ourselves through that. So that is the... That is the adventure, the challenge, the journey of spiritual life, to discover you know, deeper and deeper levels of self-giving. You know? And Krishna Kanta Didi and all the devotees here, they can tell you about that, you know? their lives of giving. How to know in which circumstances to give what? Yeah. Well, that giving must be in connection with a, with a higher agent. It will not be according to our own conception. It must be as, you know, has been, you know, requested from the higher plane. And ultimately, of course, it is our, you know, it is our false conception of self, you know, that must leave us, you know. And that will take place by trying to satisfy the will of the, the higher plane. And we are, physically we may give things or give up things, but that is really an expression of that inner tendency and that inner attempt to, to dedicate how we will come to know, like, personally, what I'm supposed to do, how and how I can give myself, and I mean, which way, and to whom, exactly? Well, we have to take shelter of the higher travelers on the path. <laughs> Those who are more experienced, who know the way, they're a little ahead of us, we can call out, can you help me? Which way should I turn mm -hmm. here? Which way should I turn there? I don't have a GPS. You, be me. you, have, to be, you have to be my GPS. <laughs> we have to. That is a part of the life of surrender, that we are ready to set aside our own estimation of who we are and what is best for us and what is the best way to go forward. That is difficult. It is difficult. But that is necessary. If we want to go you know, deep into a life of surrender and giving, we have to take that step to give up that fear that we have you know, to offer ourselves. We have to give that up and we have to find that suitable agent you know, who we feel who we feel can help us, who our heart, you know, feels some resonation with, you know, that, that will be necessary. I hear this expression, if you carry someone's luggage, everyone is lost. Yeah. If you carry someone's luggage. Yeah. If, if the person on the path has been very steady, and moving in the right direction, you'd be helping him by carrying his luggage. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>
if he doesn't have any luggage. <laughs> oh, I'm just teasing you because you're always finding the fine points. <laughs> Just hand luggage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time. Just hand luggage. They say that acquiring too much of anything can be can stop you from moving further with the right, you know, speed. <laughs> so hand luggage can be something little, something necessary for a journey. <laughs> not too much, not too little. Just enough to get. To the point. And that's pretty much about everything, including knowledge. Yeah. But where is this balance and how to understand what is sufficient? Because for someone it's one, and for another one it's another thing. Sorry, what's that, Prabhu? How to understand what is sufficient. What, what is the sufficient amount? Like, okay. say, hand luggage. Okay. Like for one one toothbrush <laughs> <laughs> and a passport. Yeah. And one towel to get dry. And then this couple of set of clothes. And if you go to the mountain, something warm. And if you go to the beach, as well. So that's but, it. But someone opens temples. Someone opens temples all over the world. Someone has thousands of disciples. <laughs> and for him, it's less like Arvind Maharaj. For him, it's necessary to have files to keep moving. But for someone, it, like you said, just brush to <laughs> So how to understand what is the right amount? Well, I mean, as I think you've answered your question. For every person, it, it, it will be different. It is an individual case. You know, What is renunciation for one will not be renunciation for another, right? It depends on your capacity, on your specific service. Mahaprabhu, you know, Ramananda Rai, who lived like as a you know wealthy man who like had intimate like service, you know, with um, the dancers and Puri. You know, Mahaprabhu glorified his renunciation actually in one place. You know. But then in another case, you have Rub, Sanat, and Raghunath, who lived extreme lives of what we would generally consider to be renunciation. Mahabharata also glorified that and encouraged that. You know? So it is all dependent on the, the individual. Srila Maharaj said that, in, I think it's in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, it says that it's advised, don't make too many temples. And Srila Sarasati Thakur was like going through different points, and this came up at that time. And then Srila Sridhamarsh immediately thought, well, you know, Prabhupada has opened so many temples, you know, so how can we accommodate this? And then, and then in the next sentence, Srila Sarasati Thakur answered, and he said, it is a question of capacity. You know, one man may be able to rule a whole kingdom and still have some spare time. Another man won't be able to manage his family. That will be overwhelming for him, you know. So it is a question of individual capacity and service necessity. 
and for our own individual case, you know, that we have to see what is the service that is coming to us, you know, what direction is coming from the Vaishnavas, what inspiration is in my heart. But generally, we try to keep things simple. That is the general principle. Simple living, high thinking, that is the general principle. We try, but if due to service necessity, then we may adjust. We may have to expand. But simple living, high thinking, this is beautiful. This is the style of Srila Sridhar Maharsh. But if someone has some service that is coming to them, then that will be called falgu vairagya, false renunciation. They will reject that. Oh, this is mundane. Like, this is service. You need to carry a big suitcase for some project for Avadud Maharaj. You know? No, I'm only traveling with hand luggage. You know? <laughs> then that will be false renunciation. That will not be true renunciation. But what is true renunciation? Anasaktasya vishayam yatarham upayunjata nirbandha krishna sambande yukta vairagyam uchate yukta vairagya. This is our path properly adjusted renunciation, to be personally detached from everything, to have, be free from any personal attachment, and to see everything in connection with Krishna's service, and to use it accordingly. That is real, proper renunciation. To be free from that personal attraction or aversion, which our lives are generally based upon to be free from those tendencies and to see everything in its pure form, how it really exists, you know, what it is really for. That is our, like, disease. We're, all, we're seeing everything through this filter of our own selfish interest and we're not seeing it as it is and what its real purpose is. The other day, this is like a small example, but sometimes these small things are <laughs> helpful. But uh, when David Shish Prabhu was here, we had one visiting speaker from London. And he's older and he needs a chair. And so I, it was time for our Sunday program and I put a chair out for him over here. And he wasn't in the room, he was out doing something else. And it was like about 30 minutes before he came in. And in the course of that 30 minutes, different devotees kept coming in and like moving the chair in different places. or. Like one devotee put their glasses on the chair. Like they saw it as a place. It's like a glasses holder. You know. <laughs> another devotee, you know, like you know, put their jacket on it, and and another devotee like moved it over here. Another devotee like was about to take it out of the room. Like this chair is in the way. Why is this here? And they're taking it out of the room. And each time I'm like, this is for David Shish Prabhu. <laughs> like. This chair is, I put this here for David Sheesh. Like, he needs a chair. And everyone's seeing this chair in a different way. You know? <laughs> so in the same way, everything in this world has some natural and real purpose, but we're seeing it like according to our very like limited vision, right? You know, we may see a beautiful woman or a beautiful man and think, oh, I can have a good time with them. But actually with pure vision, we will think, oh, this person exists to serve Krishna. They exist to serve. Why do we have to see it in this like limited way, how it pertains to our own satisfaction? It is so sad, actually. <laughs> it is really, really sad thing. So nothing has to change in our life. It is just this shift of consciousness. 
to see that is beautiful vision, to see everything, how it can exist, to contribute to some higher plane. If we can see everything and be reminded of that higher plane. Understand it in a different way, but he will see it from the beginning that wow, like this, it has a purpose, and this person has a purpose in it. Um, like, is there a moment where this uh, changes when I, when I, when I see things in a proper angle, straight away? When I don't have to see it in a wrong way and understand how it actually wants to be. <laughs> well, that's what our life is all about, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes, acquiring proper vision. That is the idea, right? There's different stages on the path. And we are told one day, if we can faithfully follow the path, such a plane will open to us. We are told, we are hopeful, one day we will become free from this, you know, selfish vision of the environment. That, that is the idea, that one day we will... We will reach there. We are hopeful. We're, you know, we're, 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 we're like pulled out the fan, or we're trying to pull out the fan, you know. We're like, this is one expression Vaishnava Maharaj used to say, like, like creating karmic reactions and mundane tendencies. We compared it, to, maybe it's an ISKCON expression, I don't know. He compared it to like plugging in a fan, you know. So we're trying to like, like unplug that fan. You know, like we, we're still like cycling through tendencies that we've acquired because of you know, activities and impressions and previous lives. But we're trying to not create more. So it's like we're, we're trying to allow what's already there to like spin out and die. You know, we're like not giving any, we're trying to not give more food to those mundane tendencies. Srila Sridhar she gives that prescription of, you know, like, you know, not feeding them, you know, different selfish desires and inclinations come to us. And if we feed them, then we're like entering the cycle again, you know, they're impelling us to like follow, follow through with those things again, that's creating that tendency again, and it's like this cycle. So we're trying to not feed them, and if we can do that, then they, will, they won't have any food, they'll die, they'll leave us. And you know, through that life of service, dedication to the higher Vaishnavas, then the whole beautiful world can open to us in the, in the plane of dedication. That is our aspiration. That is the hope that has been given to us by our, by our gurus. Some people might think, I still some desire to fulfill before I give them up. Of course, I want to fulfill. <laughs> Yes. 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 Yes.
Arjuna asked that question in Gita and Krishna says it is calm, right? Calm, lust. Yes. Arjuna asks that why is the living entity dri driven to sinful activity even like against their own will sometimes? And Krishna gives that, you know, that yes, it is calm and sometimes it can turn into anger. I think it's there where he talks about that, you know, if you don't get what you want, then it turns into anger, sangat, sanjayati, come. But this is going a little too technical for me, I think. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, like, the anger appears if the desire is not fulfilled. Yes. But through the analysis, you can see that desire is not substantial and empty. Yeah. But you still have a... Yes, anger. yes. Absolutely. So by, by popping the desires, you don't get rid of the thing which triggers it. What, which triggers what it. do you mean by popping the desires? By analyzing my, my, my material desires, I, can, I come to a conclusion that they are empty. So I remove them, so to say, through analysis. But well, still, it, it doesn't remove the origin of the desire, which is calm. I mean, the thing is, it's going to be a gradual process, right? It's not going to happen overnight. Because this same thing is mentioned in those verses in the Bhagavatam. I'm wondering if we should pause here, or, or what do you think? It's okay. Is this going in too much, Barbara, for you? It's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, there's these famous verses in Srimad Bhagavatam. And they describe um, this, you know, predicament that persons on the path will find themselves in, you know, that they have, like, subscribed to these higher principles, you know. They've, they've signed up, you know. Yes, I want to live this higher life of dedication, love, and giving. You know, I'm attracted to the glories of the Lord. You know, I want to serve, I want to give. But they also feel this lower nature within themselves, pulling them to lower things. And as it says in these verses, you cannot immediately give, give those tendencies up. You know, it is not possible. Jato, Shadham, these verses are spoken by Krishna himself. Jato shadhamat katasu nirvina sarva karmasu. It's saying that 
they've actually lost interest in the world. They don't have any interest in worldly engagement. And by worldly engagement, we really mean selfish engagement, not that we will give up the world and give up activity. That is not our path. But selfish engagement. We've lost interest. We have no interest in it. And Veda Dukatmakankaman means we know it's just full of suffering. We've lost interest. We know it's full of suffering. But Jushamanas Chatankaman. But we cannot give it up. <laughs> it is like, you know, a gross example someone who has like a smoking addiction. You know? They know it's bad for them. They don't even like it anymore, but they can't stop. <laughs> it's like, where is the sense in any of that? You know, there's no sense. You know, but it is simply difficult to. You know, you already like signed this contract a long time ago. You cannot immediately become free from that. So then, proktena bhakti yogena. Bajato masa krimune kam hridayanashanti kam hridayanashanti sarvamai hridayastiti. And Krishna is saying, in such a situation, this faithful devotee should continue unceasingly, constantly in all the practices of devotion that I have given with faith and love in me. Prabhupada, bhakti yogina, bajato. No, there's a verse before that. That I'm missing out. Tato, that's it. Tato bajeta mamprita shraddhalor dhridha nishraya. There's like three superlatives here. Shraddhalor means with full of faith. Dhridha, firm nishraya, conviction. Firm, faithful conviction. Like so many superlatives are there. In this, in this situation, they should continue. Tato bajeta. Mamprita, with affection, love for me, firm, you know, faithful heart. Tato bhajita mamprita, shadalur judinishtaya, jushamanascha kam, dukkha darkamscha garhaya, that's it. They will still sometimes fall into that lower plane, you know. Our Gurudev compared it to this. Um, like punishment that kings used to have in the past of dunking, like dunking someone underwater, then bringing them up again. <laughs> so in the same way on our, on our spiritual path, sometimes we may submit to those lower tendencies, go underwater, then we will come up again, then we may go down again, but we come up again. But we will not stay down forever. We will not forever surrender to that lower pool. We will again arise through the grace, the mercy of, you know, the Lord, the Guru, the Vaishnavas. And also it is mentioned, Dukkha Darkams Chagarhayan, that that sincere practitioner will repent. And our Gurudev, he put some emphasis on that, you know, that we will repent. And that, that like, he used this word, Anutap, I guess it's a Bengali word. It means repentance, you know. And Gurudev said that that fire of repentance will purify the heart, you know. That it is not that you have to go and like do time in prison, you know, or 
Right? You have to have some punishment. But simply that sincere feeling of regret in the heart. You know, why did I do that? You know, then that will purify us. Proktena bhakti yogena bhajato masakrimune kam hridaya nashanti sarva hridi Then that devotee will unceasingly, constantly engage themselves. And Srila Sridhamarshi also mentioned in this regard that when the devotees, you know, finds these lower tendencies, it will actually, and they find themselves coming under the influence of these things, it will actually make them more determined, you know. It, it is like if somebody wants to become, you know, some running champion, if, they, if they're very determined, then if they have some early failure, it may make them more determined. I'm going to do it next time. You know, next time I'm going to win. Next time I'm going to get it. So Srila Sridhar said, the sincere practitioner may feel like that. If they, they have what they consider to be a failure, it will make them more determined. No, I have to try harder. Let me look within myself. What am I doing that is making me weak? Let me try to find how I can improve, you know. Then they will be more determined. Next time I will do better. I will, I will avoid this, avoid that. I will try to do this and do that. And that will help me become stronger in the life of devotion. And then constantly engaging in all the practices of devotion that have been given by the Lord. And calm, Hridaya nashanti. That calm in the heart will be destroyed. And sarva mai hridisi. They will find that I am there. They will be situated in perfect Krishna consciousness. They will see me everywhere. My I will become revealed within their heart. And then finally, the last verse, very famous, very beautiful verse. Vidyate hridaya grantis. Chidyante sarva samshaya. Vidyate hridaya grantis. Chidyante sarva samshaya. Samshaya. Kiyante chasya karmani mayi hride. But but that this is very bidyate hridaya granti, saying that there is a knot on the heart, or more than one knot. Few knots, many knots <laughs> on the heart, you know. Of of so you know, means like so many misconceptions that we've acquired from this world that are like tying down the heart, restricting the potential of the heart. So these ideas that I am this and I am that and I need this and I need that and this is mine and that is mine. You know, these are all like knots checking that free flow of the heart. Then that those knots they will be broken. Chidyante Sarvasam, all doubts will be slashed. We will find fulfillment, complete fulfillment. Any doubt that we have, it will be, you know, destroyed. We will find the highest satisfaction, the highest fulfillment. And kiyante chasya karmani, any entanglements that we have in this world, in the world of karma, action, reaction, that will be destroyed, that will be burned. And the very last phrase, I don't remember, but saying that I, you know, I will be situated in their heart, you know. I will be revealed in all my glory within their heart. So it is a gradual path. You know, it is not that immediately we can go from here to there. And our faith will be tested 
you know, again and again. But if we are sincere, determined, we will become stronger because of that. And these verses, very hopeful for us, hopeful, helpful, and Gurudev and Param Gurudev, they've discussed these verses. Well, maybe we stop there. Jai Shri Gurudev Ki Jai. Vanchakalpatrubhyascha, Vipa Sindhu Bhevacha, Patitanam Pavanibhya, Vaishnavebhyo Namonamaha. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something of value here to nourish you on your journey going forward. It's always such a blessing to connect with the holy message and vibration of our divine guardians. See you all next time. Have a beautiful day.